Welcome to Shofar Ronnebosch Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Thank you, Megan. Thanks, band. Didn't you enjoy the worship? Let's uh, put our hands together for the band, their preparation this morning. Right, so um, Liana came up to me in the worship and said, uh, you realize it's a, it's a vision service and you're supposed to preach on the values. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. I did prepare. Um, but if I didn't, uh, I think it would have been a bit too late um, to come up with a vision service in the worship. Although there's, um, there's such a powerful worship and so many words actually confirmed what I'm going to be sharing this morning. Um, if you didn't get the news from what Kathleen was saying, uh, the church has a new home. So um, that's really amazing, um, absolute miracle. To summarize, uh, Kathleen said there was lots of miracles. To summarize it, just think of this. If you would go to any person saying, um, you know, this is our monthly budget. We don't have any excess. We don't have any savings. But, but we're really keen to have a new property. And, um, you know, we want at least, you know, communal living for 10 people and communal working space for 10 more people, and a church venue, um, I'm sure every, any person would say, you're quite crazy, right? That's, that's the miracle the Lord has done. From, from nothing, from just a little seed that the Lord placed in our hearts, um, God has done it, um, which is it's really amazing. And I think, I think the miracle is not so much the building, but what it represents. Um, but I, mean, I believe more than that, I believe um, it's like a first fruit. First fruit, it's just like the first. It's, that's not the end. It's just a means to, to a much greater thing. And I want to say to you that, that, it's, that it's example. It's a something um, that you can say, but I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to take what God has for me. I'm going to take that inheritance. Yes, collectively, corporately, we've received something, but in an in individual sense, you can say the same. But, but listen, I'm going to take all that God has for me in this year. And so I'm just re- reiterating what the... What the words were saying. And so last week, um, I, I said I had a different message prepared that I'm going to be sharing this week. And um, I'm really glad I didn't share it last week because it took me two weeks to get it, right? I was going to share a message that I didn't get yet. A t- a terrible, terrible principle there. Um, but I got it. I got it. I got it in a deeper level and uh, a great understanding. And actually, um, we, we, we sang the message this morning. So You've already participated with the Holy Spirit, even if you didn't know it. Um, we, we sang those lyrics, um, create in me um, a work of art. Um, and then the, the, the lyrics a bit further says, by your power, I can change. Right? By your power. It's him creating change in us. And so, so we want to be that work of art. Right? Who wants to be the work of art that God wants to create in us? And so, and so. Be, to become what God has made us to be, we need to change, right? So I titled the message, Change is as good as a holiday, right? You know, sometimes you can have a holiday and you come back and you're tired, right? And sometimes you can just break away and do something else, something out of the norm, and then you come back so refreshed. I believe God wants to um, have us be refreshed this year um, and, and, and harness that momentum at the start of a year um, to be able to change, 
Jace, if you can just stick to this slide. Uh, don't switch over to the next one. Quick question. Who knows what our first sort of, and there's a coffee on offer here for whoever gets this um, answer right. Who knows what um, our first collective assignment this year, Jason's hands already up. <laughs> He's just like, I want that coffee. I don't care what the question is. <laughs> What's our co- first collective assignment? Um, yes, who wants to answer that? Jace, have you got it? He's cheating. Uh, are you going to go first then? Okay, great stuff. You get a coffee. It, it's it's inviting someone from church to your home in a, what's what's the week? Have you got the week? 28th of Jan to the 3rd of Feb. Okay, so another coffee. To who's done it already? Put up your hand. Okay. Michelle's hand was up first. Okay, there's another coffee on offer. I don't have a cup. Uma, wave your hand. Okay, so you, there's another coffee on offer. Who can tell me what is the values of this church? All five values. Liana, you're not allowed to participate. Louis, you're not allowed to participate. You, you guys already have a coffee. Share, share the coffee, man. <laughs> Anyone else? Come on, take a... The new, the new values, the values that we've been working on. Um, go, Jace. Oh, he's cheating. <laughs> okay, you're not allowed to look down at all from now on. Okay, say the rest. Living a fire. All right. Church beyond the building. Do you think that's worth a coffee? Uh, Not yet, not yet. You're missing one, Jace. Are you going to go, Michael? Okay, there's a team coffee here. There's a team coffee here in front. We're sharing coffees today, so you guys can go to to Uma. Now, put put on the slide, Jace. Right, so there, um, there are our values, being together, living with fire, knowing God, intentionally outward, and cultivating awareness. Um, you remember the tagline of the um, intentionally outward, that's church beyond the building. So each of the values has a tagline. So that is what we're going to be sharing about this year, and the values is not something, it, the values is not something we want to be, it's something that we are. The values is something that we're already living, so it's not, it's not like a group of the leaders uh, went away somewhere and we sort of came up with what we really would like to be. No, we didn't do that. We said, what are we already passionate about? What what automatically just comes out? If you took, take this group of people from this church and you just randomly put them on an island, this is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to live. And so, so that is the values, right? And so we're going to just re-emphasize them and refocus on them. So we're not going to do something different. We're going to just live more what we are by changing more into who we are in Christ, right? Created me a work of art. Right, this is already what God has made us to be as a collective, as a as a family. And so, if you're visiting here this morning, this is a great opportunity for you just to see 
a little window in, insight into who we are as, as a family. And so let's focus on um, this value being together. So it's not in the order as we've listed the values. Um, it's in no specific order. Uh, the only order it is in is um, according to the calendar. So we've looked at what are appropriate times for appropriate things, and we've sort of slotted in um, the values according to that. So this is just an opportunity for us to, to rekindle those things that are re- really important to us and, and how to more effectively and efficiently live out what God has, has, has done in us already and given us. Right, so here's a little description. So up on the screen, you'll see um, what is this value of being together? What does it mean? It means the following. We believe that God is triune and has community and relationship within himself. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's a re- relationship right there. From the beginning, there was relationship. And has made us accordingly for relationship with one another. Relationships are what we take with us to heaven. We don't take anything else to heaven than the relationship, relationships that we've built on earth. It is then not the means to an end, but the end itself. I think sometimes we, 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 we challenged in that we have great goals, but we use relationships to get to our goals, right? The goal is the relationship. Um, that is what we are here for. That's what Jesus came to do, to, to build a relationship with man, to teach us what relationship is. As God loves us, so we love one another. We desire and contend for relationships to be real, to be authentic, but with the due respect in vulnerability and trust, maintained in love and with accountability. We believe in the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We value team as opposed to the current individualistic culture. We value and respect that different relationships have varying levels of intimacy. Being intentional about relationships within the community does not imply deep intimacy with everyone. We recognize that community is not a, uh, community is not a commodity, commodity to be had, but rather a gift to be given. And as you seek to give and be community to others, you will receive community as an outflow. We believe in order to go together, we need to come together. Because we're valuing coming together, we value Sunday services, small group socials, and other church activities. So I want to I present a challenge here right at the start of the year. I want to challenge you to change this one thing, to change a little bit how you relate with people around you. So, so just a real intentionality. So in, any, in every area of change, in any um, aspect of your life that you want to see change, so perhaps you want to you study something, you know, you need to actually be intentional. You need to um, go and get funds to, you know, write in for a course and to write exams. Um, it's not just going to happen automatically, right? Um, in any area of your life, if you want to see change, if you want to get fit this year, if you want to start running, you need to get the right tackies. You need to go into the forest and you need to start running, right? Some people are like, amen. Okay? If you want to grow in relationships, you need to be intentional. So I want to encourage you to sit down and to think about it. I think sometimes we... 
we have this attitude of relationships are by the by. You know, we're doing, we're going on with the lives, we're doing the things that we're doing, and relationships will so, sort of fall into place. You know, we have this sort of attitude, if, if people are worth it, they'll automatically be in my life, right? And that's simply just not true. Um, Johan Sneeman did a, a sermon last year, and he called it um, social investment. Such a powerful sermon. I'm actually going to ask him to share it again. He shared it with, um, particularly with the family group, but, but really such a powerful principle. Um, he says, he says um, we, we, we invest in, in, in different areas. We invest um, financially. We invest in our education. We invest in, in so many things. But how many times do we sit back and say, how, how much have I invested in my relationships? And so he says, instead of measuring the output, measure the input. So instead of sitting at a stage where you're really in a difficult spot, you really now need people and saying, where are the people that love me and care for me? Instead of measuring that, say, how much have I invested in others? How many times have I invited someone to my home? How many times have I intentionally loved someone, given, blessed someone, cared for someone, right? It's, does it sound a little bit biblical? You know, it's, it's what the Bible encourages often. If you look at the book of Acts, this is what people did. They went from house to house, right? Sharing meals together, doing things together. And so that is the challenge. Um, instead, of, instead of going for a run by yourself, take someone with you. Instead of, Michelle's smiling because I found them in the forest running together yesterday. That was, uh, they're doing it. They're living the values. You see it. <laughs> See it happening right there. In fact, I won't say that I was. Um, <laughs> let's just leave it there. Let's just leave it there. Any case, focus, focus. Instead of doing something by yourself, it's going to take you a bit more effort, right? It's going to take a bit of planning. And maybe a day ahead of time, you're going to invite someone and they're going to be busy. And then you're going to realize, but I'm going to have to do this a week ahead of time. And then it's going to be more difficult because it's so difficult to manage your schedule already. But I want to say it's worth it. I want to say it's worth it investing and building it into your life to, to do things together. And, and that is the challenge this morning. So now I'm going to just take a bit of a step back. I want to talk about change um, and, and, and the power that God has given us to change um, in various aspects. And so I want to encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to God. In what area, how does he want you to change? What does he want you to um, do different than you did last year? In fact, um, someone said it in the prophetic words, or was it the offering? I think it was Tina saying, God takes us from glory to glory. And in order to embrace the glory of this year, you're going to have to change. Because you can't handle the glory of this year by doing things you did last year. Right? God grows us. Um, by nature... We need to change because God is forming us more and more into the image of his son. We are more and more becoming who we really are through um, the power of the Holy Spirit transforming us. But I want to talk about change. I just made a list because change is, is so applicable in our society, um, in our individualistic culture, in our nation, in this continent, right? You can just... Uh, you can just read the news. You can go to Zimbabwe. Um, change is really necessary. Uh, I just got a message last night from one of my good friends in Zimbabwe, and he says, 
the, the, the youth, the young people of Zimbabwe have given up on the old generation. Um, change needs to happen, but, it, but they've given up. It must be the young people now. The young people have given up on, because change is so necessary. But I've, I wrote 10 level of change that, that we need to see. And you might add one or two on this list. Um, but I want you just to listen to what I believe um, change is necessary. And of course, as, as believers, as sons and daughters of God, we are agents of change, right? The world's not going to change by itself. The world doesn't have the power of God to change. Unless they submit to God, of course. But we, the sons and daughters of God, we do have the power to change, right? And firstly, internally. I want you to just, uh, Jason, if you can go back two slides. That picture of the tree and the stump was uh, uh, shared on that last year. But that's sort of the, the theme of this year. The, the, the strength of that little branch growing forth, forth from the stump, um, its fate, its destiny, um, it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't rely on the externals, but the internals, the strength from within. Um, the life that that branch has will determine if it will make um, and do what it needs to do. All right, 10 levels of change. Firstly, I said this is, this is the first thing that um, struck me is um, this nation, this continent, this world needs real leaders, and by real leaders, I mean shepherds, people, leaders that love for the people and not themselves, that do things for the sake of the people and not for their own enrichment. And that's really rare. But that's the biblical leader. If you look at the, the definition, we do a Bible school module on leadership. And everywhere where it talks about leadership, the, 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 the imagery of a shepherd is used. The shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. That's biblical leadership. That's leadership according to Jesus. But I said, we need real leaders. That's a change that, that we need. Then secondly, um, we need a change of mindset. Um, falsehood with versus those who love the truth. So um, the truth and the reality of the truth, what is the opposite of truth? Lies, corruption, falsehood, all right? Truth, a love for the truth. Now, you don't actually have to be a Christian to have a love for the truth, right? You can do the right thing because you know it's the right thing. Because the world actually knows what is right. We have a moral compass in us, right? We know it's just that we suppress the knowing and we do what we want to do, right? But for us as believers, we have the word that is our truth, um, but mindsets need to change, and the way we see things need to change. A very good example of this is um, the separation of secular and sacred, that divide. That's something that needs to change. The way, the way that we go to our workplaces and apply our Christianity, um, you know, that's, it's one of those really challenging things that needs to change in our culture, um, in our nation, in the world. Um, we need to bring faith into our workplace. We need to um, break this divide between worlds. Thirdly, removal of idols from the land. If this is a really biblical one. If you look at the, 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 the real leaders, powerful leaders that did things right in the sight of the Lord, the really good ones, I say this often, are those that remove the idols from the land. All right? We need to remove the idols from the land. That's a whole sermon on its own. 
um, barriers and divisions um, broken down. That's a change that we need in this nation. Amen. Barriers and, and, um, and divisions between people. And that, that's why uh, I've been saying this often, but this property, it resembles a barrier. It's, it's, it's one of the um, pinnacles of this nation in terms of division. And so God, in, in, in praying about this property, should we do it? I, I felt God said he's taking us right back to the foundation of this nation because he wants to do it differently. He wants to break down barriers. That's a change that needs to happen. Then the church returning to its mission of saving souls, um, not just teaching for the sake of teaching or teaching um, for the sake of um, good advice, but we are called to share the good news. Amen? Church is not supposed to propagate good advice. We're supposed to propagate good news. The church returning to its mission of saving souls. The church to change from busyness towards God's presence. Right? We can be very busy. We can do a lot of things. This is for us as a church, us as individuals. You, your life can be really busy. Doesn't mean you carry the presence of God. I would rather be someone that's not busy but carry the presence of God. Amen? Amen? So often we find that when we are in God's will, we, we are busy. Right? But, but the flow is important. It's like we were saying last, last week, um, you know, we work from a place of rest. We work from a place of God's presence, not the other way around. We, we don't work and then we rest. It doesn't work like that with God. First rest, then from there we, we engage with His will. Then um, believers cultivating a passion for prayer. That's a change that is necessary, right? We need to become a people that pray, pray all the time. Um, and then and another thing needs to change, an apathy of the called to walk in calling, right? If all of us walk in our calling, guess what? We're going to shake this nation. We need to return to walk in our calling. Um, cultivation of community versus individuality. Jesus says, when you pray, you pray our Lord, our Father, right? So it's a collective. There's a... Um, in scripture you see community you don't see individuality and then finally um, change that needs to happen is a, a love for one another but just not just one another you see the world has one another but what Jesus has called us to is to love one another go and read the book of um, Romans chapter 1 verse 24. You can do this at home. I'm not going to read it for you. But, but go and see what one another looks like. It's perverse. It's, it's ungodly because it's devoid of the truth. Right? Relationship must be centered with truth. And that's, that's what we're going to be talking about here this morning. So those are just some levels of change. And like I said, you perhaps have something in your mind that you feel this needs to change. Um, change needs to happen. James chapter 1 verse 25, I read this last week. Um, the guys from the Bible Project, they say, the book of James is like a beautifully crafted punch in the gut. So really, it really hits you, um, the book of James. If you can put up the scripture there, Jason. 
But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in all his deeds. Quickly mentioned this last week. But a doer of the work. In other words, not just our thinking, but our doing needs to change. Sometimes we have great intentions. And we don't realize that we have great intentions, but we don't live our intentions. That's why we need accountability. That's why we need, uh, need to have friends around us saying, um, Rhino, you said this and this is what you're going to do. Like I see you were really intentional. In fact, you spoke about it often the year, but you never did anything about it. You never, it never actually went into action. So the first change is in our mindset, but the second change is in our doing. James says, show me, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith with my works. Right? Works is, is crucial. It's so important that we keep one another accountable. It's so important that we, we go into action. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture from Joshua chapter 5. The whole passage, and it's, um, it's that scene um, before uh, the people take Jericho, the, the, um, uh, the Jews going from the desert, and they take uh, the promised land. And I want you to see four levels of change that happened with the people. So, if you've got your Bibles, you can open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 5. Otherwise, you can follow on the screen. Here we go. So it was, when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel against, again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the son of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way. After they had, came out of, had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, till all the people who were men of war, who came out of Egypt, were um, consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that they would not, um, that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished um, circumcising all the people that they stayed in their place in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal, to this day. 
Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight in the plains of Jericho. They ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had um, eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. So we see Joshua has this encounter with this commander. You'll notice that the scriptures capitalize the word commander because it's not an angel, it was Jesus himself. Um, biblically, we speak about a pre-incarnation of Jesus. He was Jesus, um, it was read the Passion Translation of the Bible. Okay, now the catchphrase of the Passion Translation says, there is no such thing as before Christ. Because Christ was always around. It is, that's a misperception, B.C. and A.C., Christ was always around, all right? It's just that he was born from a virgin into this world. But Christ was always around. So this is one of those cases where Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, um, appeared to Joshua. And so I want you to see this four levels of change that happened with this, this, this group of people. And the change is dramatic. And I want you to, to see it. I want you to embrace the change. The first change that happened was... Um, the preparation um, for fighting, all right? There's a, there's a, there's a powerful parallel to, to what we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. But there's still a real, a very real battle. But it says that the men, specifically the men of that time, they were not prepared to do fighting. They were not prepared, and I'm using the word Um, in both uses of the word. They were not prepared. They weren't ready to engage because they had not yet been prepared in their hearts. Um, Old Testament, we speak about circumcision of the flesh. In the New Testament, it speaks of circumcision of the heart. So it speaks about a preparation of the heart to be ready for what God is about to do. Note, when they go to Jericho, you know the story, they just marched around the place and the walls came tumbling down. Seven times. They, walked, they just walked around in obedience, and God did the rest. But the people were not prepared to fight. They were not ready. So the first change is that preparedness of the heart, to say, God, I'm ready. God, I'll, I, will, I will do this. And sometimes we, at the... At the, at the Benefit of our comfort, we choose not to engage, right? We don't want to get our clothes dirty. We don't want to engage with 
with things that should be in our context and our perception should be easy, right? But the first change that happened is they circumcised themselves um, for what was about to come. It was a whole... Um, it was a whole day that they took out to prepare themselves, to get ready. Um, in fact, it was, it was longer than a day because they had to recover for some obvious reasons. You know what circumcision is, right? Okay. So, that was the first level of change. And, 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 and I want to emphasize the men, right? There's a very specific reason why the men had to be ready. The second change that happened, and this is, this is powerful. I want to trust that the Holy Spirit really brings this, this home for us. Uh, Joshua chapter 5 is 9. The disgrace of Egypt was removed from them. This is really powerful. The disgrace of Egypt was removed from them. So note this. Again, it was a really dramatic time. Can you imagine a whole people group? Whole people group. All the old people died in the wilderness, in the desert, right? Because of, because, of the, because of their sin, because of what they had, you know, they didn't believe God, they didn't trust God. And so we had a whole generation of new people that the, the parents weren't around anymore. So it was really, I want you to see uh, the dramatic scene. Can you imagine how they might have felt, Right? How, do, how they might have um, thought of their parents. You know, they, their parents, you know, never saw the promised land. And here we are, we're standing here in front of the promised land. But, but not only that, there was, a, there was a real shame over the people and a real sense of guilt, right? Because they, they missed it. They failed. And for 40 years, the people had, had, had walked around. Can you imagine the sort of stories and even conflict that could have arisen. You know, just think of Caleb. You know, he was ready to go into the promised land. He was ready. He, could, he, was, he had all the faith. He knew God could do it, but he had to wait 40 years. Can you, can you imagine what, it, what had to go, happen through his heart for those 40 years? I mean, 40 years is a long time, right? But it says here, before they went into the promised land, God had to remove the disgrace of Egypt. Right, so now I refer to the disgrace of the desert, but there was a deeper sense of disgrace because they were back in Egypt. They were slaves. All right. Now, what is what is what is disgrace of Egypt means? Egypt to us today uh, resembles the world, the place of captivity. God saves us from the world, the place that is separate from God, and He brings us into His presence. Right. The real promised land is God's presence. That's, that's where he brings us into it, into him. So what is the disgrace of Egypt? The, the disgrace of Egypt is that place in your life, that time in your life. It could be before you were saved. It could have been after you were saved. It could just be in your thinking. But the disgrace is e of Egypt is that place in your life where God is not there, right? That, where you have acted independent of God. So all of us have started there. All of us have done things in our own ways. We did things in our own wisdom, in our own, we did things, and most of us realized that it doesn't work, and then we got saved. We cried out to Jesus, and he saved us, okay? Again, I want to say, this disgrace of Egypt could be a place in our thinking. It could be a season of your life where 
you chose to do things by yourself and you chose not to include God, right? And again, always the fruit of that is not good. The, the fruit of being separate from God um, is, is, is corruption, is, is, um, is breakdown of trust. It's, it's, it's negative things. So, so if that is the case, you know, if you recognize something and what I want you to see here is what the Jews resembled, the Jews that came out of the desert, is they were in cycles, right? And this moment um, resembled a breaking out of a cycle into something new. Some of you are sitting here and there's these cycles in your mind and you feel like you can never get out of it. There's these thinking patterns. There's this way of um, doing things and you're like, I'm never going to get out of, over it. And the good news is, by God's grace, I can change. By God's grace, he can break the cycles. You, you find yourself you're in the cycle and you hate the cycle, but you're just doing it again and again and again, right? God can break this cycle. It is God who removed the disgrace of Egypt. It wasn't the people. They couldn't do it by themselves. They couldn't take away that shame, that guilt, and everything that held them back. Um, you, see, you see, that moment with Joshua was a holy moment. He had to take off his sandals. Because God had called the people for a holy purpose. They were holy people walking around Jericho. You know, that's why God could use them. The same people that walked in the desert could not have been used to walk around the walls of Jericho. Do you see, do you see that? Right? There was a real change that needed to happen on the plains of Jericho. Then. The third change, they had to change the way they lived and even the way they related to God. So it says, where's the scripture? And they ate of the produce of the land after the day of the Passover. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. So they were being fed like babies. They were giving, they were um, being given you know, like, like toddlers and babies would be nurtured, they were given food from heaven directly. No effort. No, you know, if you've got little kids, you'll know they sit at the table, they get their food, and then they moan about the food, and then they take a long time to eat their food. But it just happens for them, right? But it's age appropriate to get food like that. Now, so you see what happened there. Yeah, a whole nation of people matured instantly. Changed happened instantly. Suddenly, they didn't relate to God as the, the, the father that has a toddler. They suddenly related to God as the father that has a teenager or an adult that can now fend for themselves, that now can go into the land, take off the produce of the land, and use it. And there's labor involved with that. Whereas in the desert, it was just simple, they got fed from heaven. It fell out of the sky. Now they had to eat of the produce of the land. You see the dramatic change that happened. One day, everything, everything was different. Do, do, do you, can you see the almost emotional uh, change they went through in that time? It's almost like they, 
they had to prepare for it. And that's exactly what happened at, on the banks of, of Jericho. Then the ultimate change that happened. I'm going to read the scripture again because I don't want us to miss this. So Joshua, it was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua um, went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So Joshua posed the question to this commander, to Jesus. He said, are you for us or are you against us? Okay, are you for us or are you against us? The commander responds and he says, no. Now, does that sound to you like the correct answer to the question? Right? What is the commander actually saying to Joshua? Wrong question. Wrong question. The question isn't should, uh, am I for you or for those people? No. Are you for me? Because I am the commander of, of, of the Lord of hosts. I am and he was Jesus. And so Jesus says, um, and I have now come. You see, again, the dramatic change happens when Jesus is on the scene. Right? He pitches up on the scene, and then everything changes. Jesus is with them. Because actually, Jesus was always with them. If you go back right to the Red Sea, um, Jesus came to save them in their lack, in their difficulties. He was the, before they were standing at the Red Sea, the the Egyptians came and Jesus came down and he, and he withheld the, the Egyptian army so that the, the people could walk through. So Jesus is always there. He's always at work. But the dramatic change happens when we realize it's not about me and it's not about God helping me. This is one of the greatest changes that can happen in your walk with God. If you can undergo the switch and and... That's why prayer is so important. That is so, why it's so important that you come to intercession. That is why it's so important that you grow in your prayer life. Because if your prayer life is, God, come help me with this. God, come help me with this situation at work. God, come help me with this. Um, God, help me with this situation. Then you are still in immaturity with Christ. You're still in baby phase. It's okay. God will love you. God will continue to reach out to you and bless you and all things. It's just you are not growing more into who God has made you to be. Because the place where God wants you to be is where Joshua suddenly realizes, hey, I'm for God. But guess what? Now that I'm for God, all the stress goes away. All the burdens that were on, on me, they just suddenly fall away. Some of us are carrying burdens you shouldn't be carrying. Some of you are trying to do things that's not supposed to be done with your strength. So it's supposed to be done with his strength, right? Because those Jews, as we just saw, they were so inadequately prepared. If Joshua had to go to Jericho, missing that scene on the banks of, of Jericho, it would have been chaos. It would have been a slaughter. If God wasn't in it, it would have been over a whole nation. Right? Would have perished. Because the people at Jericho, they were prepared in the natural, right? They had weapons, they had massive walls. It would have been really tough because they didn't even have weapons, right? They weren't prepared for fighting even. Okay? But that shift happened and they could, they could embrace 
the change that was necessary um, to continue. And um, I want to encourage you, sometimes, you know, I would be faced with difficulty, even with this property. I can tell you so many times it was like it was a dead end. It was over. It wasn't going to be happening. And so I I was faced with two situations, and sometimes I got it quite wrong. But I would, I could either, I could either be challenged by this, the, the facts in front of me, or I could say, but God, this is not about me. I'm just a tool in your hand, and you're doing this thing. And every time I did it, every time I got it right, you know, the pressure would go, and it would be a light yoke. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, right? It's, it's, it's a light thing. And so... Just in practical terms, I want to just encourage you. This is just so helped me over the years. If you can't pray in the Spirit, um, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, petition Him um, to fill you. And if He's filled you, you have the ability to pray in tongues. If you can pray in tongues, um, do it often. Do it in especially difficult times. I cannot tell you what it, what it has done to me to be able to pray in tongues and to have the Holy Spirit come alongside my spirit and to lift me up above my own situation. Is that what, what it does? When we pray in the spirit, we build up our spirit. It puts our eyes onto Jesus. That's the prophetic word here this morning. Let's not look at the things around us. Let's look at the th- things above. Let's see things in a different way. And now I want to bring this home towards being together. The relationship, relationships that God has for us. I want to petition us. I want to ask us. I want to encourage us to do relationships in a different way. I want to encourage us to look at people and your friends and your peers and people in church in a different way. If you, if you, if you don't ca- uh, catch the weight of that statement, then you're not w- aware of what I'm saying, right? It's... It's, it's a really weighty thing to say, change the way you look at people because we have so many perceptions in our minds. We have cultural perceptions. We have um, our personality preferences. There's so many ways that you can be tempted to, to, to go to a box in your mind and to put that over someone. Let's change that. Let's give people forever but let's work on it particularly this year, to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Let's choose to believe the best because you know where the enemy is at work the hardest is in our relationships because he knows the power of of our relationships. He knows what we can do, right? He knows the scriptures. He knows the Bible. He knows, he says, how beautiful it is for brothers to dwell together in unity, he knows that nothing will be impossible for a people that are in unity, right? But, but you have to actively take on that challenge to change the way you see people, to change the way you perceive someone. You might be tempted to, to go back to a frame of reference that you had. You might be tempted to go back to a previous situation. And please, if there are undealt with things in relationships, deal with it, right? But be open to the Holy Spirit changing you that you would look different at the people around you. I want to pray for us this morning because I know this is an impossibility. 
but with God all things are possible, right? It, it, is, it is impossible in the natural to make relationships work as Jesus wants to have it work. But he has given us his Holy Spirit, the spirit of fellowship. Did you know that? Did you know that every time believers come together, the Holy Spirit is there? And the Holy Spirit is active to connect us. So let's not live like he's not there when we get together with friends, right? When we, we get together in fellowship in small groups. Let's live every moment like the Holy Spirit is there because he is there to make it work. So, Father, we just acknowledge you in this room. Holy Spirit, you have been and you are already at work in our hearts. And so, God, do the impossible in us. Give us eyes to see. Give us, give us ways to surpass, break through our cultural boxes, God. To break through our cultural limitations, God, and perceptions of others. People that look different to us. People that act different to us. People that say things different to us. And let's, Lord, help us open up our hearts to that which you are doing. Help us to live this value that you've given us of being together. Just being together, Lord. God, we pray that you would come in and restore and heal. Maybe times, Lord, we've been hurt. And I want to emphasize again that the enemy is at work. Recognize it first. If you're sitting here this morning and you feel isolated, you can know, you can know, you can know. Maybe, yes, people have done things wrong, but you can know that the enemy has been at work. He hates relationship. He hates you to, hates it that you are around the people that God has placed in your life. He will do everything and anything to separate that. But by the name of Jesus, I say you will not succeed. By the power in Christ to change, I say it will not happen that way. But God, every person in this place will connect to the people that you have assigned them to connect with. God, I thank you for accountability partners. God, I f thank you for deep friendships. But God, I thank you for, for the strength in us to, to choose to love, to choose to serve, to choose to invite people, even in our most intimate space, in, even in the most difficult places, God, we choose to invite our brothers and our sisters into that place. And Father, right now, I want to pray. I want to pray for that removal of the disgrace of Egypt. God, right now, I sense, God, you are breaking thought patterns, God. Right now, people are standing before their promised land. God, right now, you're removing those seasons, those cycles, those things that have been placed on people that separate them, God, from all that you have for them. Those thoughts of depression, I break in the name of Jesus. Those cycles, we declare in the name of Jesus, you will come out of that desert right now. You will see your promised land. You will step in your Jordan. The waters will open up. The impossible by the name of Jesus, will become possible right now. I want to I ask while every eye is closed, and this is a holy moment. This is that holy moment. Your commander, Jesus, 
He's in this room. He's, he's in this place. If that's you, I want you to raise out both your hands to the heavens. Say, Commander, lead me. Commander, come and break these cycles. Commander, come and change my thinking. Commander, come and change my thoughts. Commander, change my heart. Make me new. Take away the the disgrace of the past. I say, God, today I leave the desert in the desert. God, today I leave, leave Egypt in the desert. I'm walking through. I'm walking through with you. Since God's saying, I'm taking you by your hand. Stretch out your hand to me. Give me your hand. I'm pulling you up. I'm taking you through. I'm taking you through. Don't focus on feeling. Focus on faith. Focus on the fact that Jesus can walk on water. Jesus can do them. That's his speciality. He specializes in the impossible. Take his hand. Just take his hand and walk by faith. Just do it. Just do it. I'm going to ask you to be very bold. I'm going to ask you just to stand where you are. You don't need to come forward. Um, but just as a stand, a prophetic statement that I'm standing in the, in the River Jordan right now. No more going back. Because once you're through, you're through. You can't go back. The water's close. But it's God's doing. And it's He that he that takes away the disgrace of Egypt. So, Father, we come and we remove those past experiences. God, we take away all of that, all of the old. And we say, thank you that, Jesus, you make all things new. You make all things new. Thank you, Father, that by your power we can change. And so, Father, as these individuals stand for change, They will be changed and transformed as they submit to your spirit. So right now, Holy Spirit, come upon them with power. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your transformation. Thank you for your transformation. Let's all stand here this morning as we just worship the commander of the armies, the Lord of hosts, as we say, Jesus, you are worthy. Can we sing that song, By Your Power I Can Change? that thanks guys thanks Ben I'm going to pray for all of us Father we just thank you for all that you have in store for us in the season in this time in this year we declare that by your power we can change we can change to receive the glory of this time we celebrate that which is past and we thank you for this year but change in us make us into something new that we can walk in all that you have for us this year. Thank you, Jesus. We walk through. We walk through into the promised land. By faith, God, we go to our Jerichos. By faith, we go and face our greatest fears. By faith, our fears diminish. They're no longer before us. As we walk, by the seventh time, there's no more fear anymore. It's gone. It's gone. Lord, you're removing fear right now from this place. God, you perfect your love. You perfect your love in hearts. You perfect your love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shed your love into hearts here this morning. Receive it. Stand and receive the love of God that perfects, is perfected in your heart. That fear 
is gone. God, fear flees from this room right now. Fear go. Fear go in Jesus' name. Fear go. Fear go.